Ladies and gentlemen, the following podcast is set for one episode. Your host from Columbus, Ohio, is Michael Kirk. Welcome to the Outbound Mudcast. Hello and welcome to the Outbound Mudcast, your digital audio dirt sheet for all things Super Show. The top story for this week, the Kickstarter campaign, SRG Universe, Super Show the Game, the Time Warp, has closed. Noon Eastern Time, March 27th, the Kickstarter campaign ended. There were 283 backers that pledged $42,404. Unfortunately, we did not get past the $40,000 goal, so there were a lot of stretch goals left on the table. We did hit the following stretch goals. The funding in 48 hours goal, the 300 social media share goal, and the 300 unique Kickstarter comment goal. We did not get the funding in two minutes goal. We did not get the 400 backer goal. How does this compare to the last Super Show the Game Kickstarter? Let me give you some numbers. I'm not counting the comic. So I'm going back to Kickstarter campaigns that SRG Universe did to the Going Over campaign. The Going Over campaign had 369 backers and earned $54,844. That's how many dollars were pledged for that campaign. The Time Warp campaign had two unlimited tiers and two limited tiers. The Going Over campaign had three unlimited tiers and three limited tiers. Now, in the limited tiers, there were sort of multiple groups. For example, in the Create an Alternate Art Card tier, there were two tiers for that. In the Time Warp campaign, for the Create a Competitor tier in the Time Warp campaign, I believe there were four to five waves, six people per wave possible in those tiers. We break down the pricing. In the Time Warp campaign, the bottom tier was $30. 57 people pledged that tier for a total of $1,710. The next unlimited tier, the $90 tier, had 150 people pledge for a total of $13,500. The Create an Alternate Art Card tier had 28 people pledge that tier, $220 per pledge, so a total of $6,160. And there were 19 people who pledged at the Create a Competitor tier, $910, for a total of $17,290. I did not double check the math in this, so I apologize if any of it's wrong. Comparing that to the Going Over tier, Of the three unlimited tiers, at the $30 tier, there were 62 people who pledged for a total of $1,860. That's five more people that pledged two years ago at the $30 tier than pledged this year. 61 people pledged at the $60 tier for a total of $3,660, and 144 people pledged at the $115 tier 
for a total of $16,560. That's pretty comparable to the number who pledged the highest tier this year. Two years ago, it was 144 at the highest unlimited tier. This year is 150. So the two tiers at the highest and lowest are pretty comparable. The middle is the big difference in the unlimited. When it comes to the limited tiers, 34 people pledged at the Altart tier. That tier was $200 two years ago, so very similar pricing for a total of $6,800. There were a number of price points for the Equator Competitor tier. Nine people pledged at the $660 price point. Seven people pledged at the $680 price point. Six pledged at the $690 price point. And four pledged at the $700 price point. The difference in the price points was the release date. Pledging at the higher price point meant that your competitor came out earlier than those pledging at the lower price points. The total for all of those combined, $17,640 from the Creative Competitor tier. This total represents 32 backers. To compare that with the Time Warp, the Time Warp had 19 backers at $910 in the Creative Competitor tier for a total of $17,290. So very similar dollar amounts, but you had a lot more backers. You had nearly double, 19 in the Time Warp, 32 in going over. 38 would be double 19, so not quite double, but pretty close. And I'm not counting... The highest tier in the going over, there was a combined tier that got you both a Create a Competitor and a Create an Art card. That was $775. Six people pledged there for a total of $4,650, which gets you exactly double. It gets you 38 people pledged for the Create a Competitor tier and above two years ago in the going over and 19 pledged this year. Now, what do these numbers mean for SRG Universe? I don't know. I assume they'll look at these numbers when this campaign's over and make decisions based on those. But I find it very interesting to see where they were able to get backers at similar amounts, where the differences were. I think it's kind of interesting, for example, just when you compare the highest unlimited tier and the time warp to the highest unlimited tier in going over how that $25 additional, even with less backers, translated to about $3,000 more. That would have been another stretch goal in the time warp if they'd been able to make an additional $3,000 in that tier. Now, you did get less in going over. The top unlimited tier was two two-player box sets and a faction pack. This year, it's only one two-player box set and a faction pack plus all the various stretch goals and single competitors and the like. I think it's interesting how they were able to pretty much raise the same amount of money off the Create a Competitor tier, excluding the combined tier from going over, by raising the price point by over $200. They were still able to make almost the same amount of money. It looks like it's $350 difference more in going over than the time warp, but still pretty close. Considering, again, close to double 
the amount of people pledging and going over for creative competitors than pledging in time warp. Again, I find these numbers very interesting. I think the best way we'll know what these numbers, what the effect these numbers will have on SRG Universe is going to be what happens in a future Kickstarter campaign. If we see more creative competitor tiers open up, if we see less, if we see them go back to three unlimited tiers, because that's been the norm for the campaign since I've been in the game, three unlimited tiers. This is the first year I can recall where it was just two unlimited tiers. And that was quite a sizable number of backers. In Time Warp, there were 207 people who backed the unlimited tiers. In Going Over, there were 267 people who backed the unlimited tiers. That's a difference of 60 people. If those 60 had just pledged at the 30, that's another $1,800. That could have got them very close to that $45,000 goal. So very interesting to see because that is really the big difference in the unlimited is the people who pledge at that middle tier. There were 369 backers in going over and 283 in time warp. That's a difference of 86. Those 60 additional backers, that's 75% basically of that number. So is that a good lesson that maybe that third tier might be the difference of getting some of those people? 90 might be too much. The only question with that, though, is you had pretty much the same number of people pledge at 30. So you would think the people who essentially might have pledged at 60 but didn't because that option didn't exist would have then gone to 30, but that didn't happen either. Now let me briefly talk about the number of backers. Like I said, the difference in backers was 86 people. What happened to those 86 people from two years ago? A lot of things. People could have come and gone from the game. You know, we are not in as great an economic time in the United States as we were two years ago. That could affect people's pledging. I don't know. One last number I think I'll give. The per backer pledge, the average backer pledge this year was $149.84. The average backer pledge two years ago in going over $148.63. About $1.25 difference between the two. So very similar numbers in that respect. So looking at that, what that kind of tells me is the lower backers is really the big difference between you know, the dollar amount. So I would say SRG, if they want to improve on the Kickstarter campaigns, try to get the backer number back up because that's really, to me, looking at this. Again, I'm not an expert. I'm not a finance guy. They have a great finance guy in the general manager, John Clace. He's their CFO. I'm sure they'll be looking at the numbers and thinking about how the lessons learned from the time warp will affect future Kickstarter campaigns. As far as whether or not I feel like the campaign was a success or a failure, 
I always enjoy these Kickstarter campaigns. They're always fun to me. I like going for the stretch goals, trying to unlock things. A lot of you saw me trying to push to get the community share goal unlocked. I know I spammed a lot of posts in various Facebook groups. I apologize for that. While I definitely tried to get the goal unlocked, and I'm happy the goal is unlocked, I know it's a real pain to see just posts getting spammed over and over. And so for that, for annoying people, I'm sorry. I don't like annoying people. Clearly now the campaign's closed, so I'm not going to be doing that. But I'm glad it's unlocked. We don't know what that goal is, actually. That goal has not been announced. A number of the goals have been revealed. You can go to the Kickstarter campaign page, look at the page, look at the update section, and various cards have been posted so you can see what's going to be coming out. But that goal has not been revealed. So we'll have to wait and see what the goal for the community share goal, what the card or competitor or whatever it is that that share goal unlocks. I'm curious to see it because I put so much work in. We'll just have to find out. In terms of enjoyment, in terms of sort of the excitement of seeing new product, Kickstarter campaigns a success. I mean, they made well over their funding goal. They fully funded in 15 minutes. I think it was actually 18. But they fully funded within a half hour and got, I believe it was over 160% of their goal. So they did quite well. You know, they didn't do as well as they didn't going over, but they did well. And hopefully they'll take, you know, what they learned from the time warp and use that going forward. And we'll see some new exciting things when they do the next Kickstarter campaign, assuming they do one. This could be the last. Every Kickstarter campaign could be the last. We don't know. But I always enjoy them. And hopefully they'll do another one because I just find them exciting. That's the big Kickstarter news. 283 backers. $42,404. Three funding goals unlocked. Three stretch goals unlocked. They did also put add-ons, which I don't have the dollar numbers for add-ons. There were five that they added during the campaign going from memory. You could add on a Super Ombre versus Snake Pit box set. You could add on the Apex Trio competitor set. You could add on a Cosmic Crusader single deck box set that's mars mercury jupiter neptune terra or venus you could add on a steel cage box set that's the one with brian cage as the competitor and i believe you could add on the cosmic crusader faction pack those were the five add-ons available with the uh, kickstarter campaign that they added later on I don't know how those dollars ended up affecting the total. That's going to do it for Kickstarter news. CCC news is next. The fifth match in the first round of the 2021 Creative Competitor Competition wrapped last week. The four competitors in the match were Lauren Santiago, Tyler Epic, Ed the Slasher Norman, and the Marshal. The winner announced Wednesday during Talk of the Universe was Lauren Santiago. Congratulations to her. She joins JAC, Time Bomb Tim, Moonstar, Fotista, and Vicious Dick Vandal in round two. 
vicious Vic Vandal getting the bind around to based off his performance in last year's CCC, the other four winning their matches in the first round. They did not announce the competitors for match six. Normally, I wouldn't be happy with that. I'd be negative on that. However, I can understand this is the closing week of the Kickstarter. They would want, that is to say, SRG Universe would want the focus to be on that. So I can kind of understand the delay here more than other places. It is a fourth week of delay by my count. I'm hoping there are no more delays. Next week they announce the four competitors and we can just get round one finished. That's all we have right now for the CCC. The big matches from last week. There were two on Sunday that I was not able to report on for last week's show. This is part of the Sunday Night Fights card. The first was a triad match. The LFF triad champion going in, Michael Nichols, had to defend against Kirk Polka and the main event, Stu Rainey. Mike Nichols was the champion with the original Brian Cage. Kirk Polka used Kenta in the match, and Stu Rainey used the Freak in the match. This match went to crowd meter one. The winner and new champion, Kirk Polka. Congratulations to Kirk Polka for winning the match. Congratulations to the former champion, Michael Nichols, for being only one of two people in the history of the LFF Triad Championship to have one defense as champion. The other match from Sunday night was the Midwest Coast Championship match. This match actually went on first that night. We saw the current Midwest Coast champion, Dizzy Derailed, take on the current LFF Tri-State champion, Lucky Cat Nico. Lucky Cat Nico, who recently moved into the Midwest Coast territory, making her eligible for a shot at the championship, gets that shot. She takes... Death Machine, Sammy Callahan, into the match. Squares off against the champion who is using the villain, Marty Skrull. In a match that goes all the way to crowd meter four, the winner and still Midwest Coast champion, Dizzy Derailed. Congratulations to her for winning that match. Wednesday, the Tag Team Championship. Some people call it the Real Tag Team Championship. Some people call it the Underworld Tag Team Championship, but is the LFF Tag Team Championship not currently held by Young, Dumb, and Broke? This was the belt held by Freezing Frenzy, the team of Le Penguin and Shaggy Shark. They are challenged by Big Money, the first ever LFF Tag Team Champions, the Big Guy, and Mr. Moneymaker. They square off in a tag team match that goes all the way to crowd meter one. The Penguin playing as the flip version of Smiley. Shaggy Shark playing as Danny Limelight. Mr. Moneymaker playing as the second version of Mr. Snap. And the big guy playing as the villain Marty Skrull. Same as Dizzy Derailed. The winner at crowd meter one still champions Freezing Frenzy. Congratulations to them. For retaining. Friday night, the big match 
the Underworld Championship. On the line, Alec Ventresca, the champion with Kenny Omega, takes on the player of the era, John Pulverino. John Pulverino playing as new competitor, the Pulverizer, looking to win the Underworld Championship and become the first ever Grand Slam champion in the LFF. This match goes to crowd meter two. At the end of the match, Alec Ventresca plays Soaring Skateboard Smash, a disqualification card that, if stopped, would cause Alec Ventresca to lose, but retain the championship, which blanks the Pulverizer's gimmick. And then he's able to follow that up with a smack with a shovel, another card that, if stopped, would cause a disqualification. At Crowdmere 2, in a long match, John Pulverino stops the smack with a shovel winning the Underworld Championship match, but because he wins via disqualification, Alec Ventresca remains the Underworld Champion. Congratulations to John Pulverino for winning. Unfortunately, he does not become champion. What does this mean for John Pulverino's you know, championship status, challenger status? Will he get another shot at the champion? We don't know. We do know that there's currently an Underworld tournament that has reached the finals to determine a new contender. That finals match will take place next Wednesday, March 30th, after Talk of the Universe. We will see Lucky Cat Nico, the current LFF Tri-State Champion, take on Candy Mam, the current LFF Play Pure Champion. The winner will get a shot at the Underworld Championship. I reported on last week's show that there was supposed to be a hardcore championship match on March 25th, Friday, between the champion, Jeff McPeak, and the challenger, Chris Pate, winning Jeff McPeak's hardcore championship tournament. That match did not happen. I don't know why. I don't have any information on when that match will be scheduled to take place, but that match didn't happen, so I don't have any results to give you. And then finally, tonight, Sunday, March 27th, there's going to be a trios match on the Sunday Night Fights streamed on the SRG Universe Twitch channel. Dizzy Derailed, the current Midwest Coast champion, will take on Brian Waitfort Schmidt in a trios match. If Dizzy Derailed wins, she will take over the dojo next Tuesday night, which would be the 29th. That's my understanding of the match. I will give you the results of that match next week. Unfortunately, I can't do it this week. I just don't have that information. That is pretty much it for the news from this week. Before I talk about the online tournaments from this past week, just a reminder of upcoming in-play events. April 9th, Long Island Tabletop Gaming Convention. That's a Saturday. SRG Universe will be at the convention. They will be hosting a creative competitor tournament. I believe it's a $25 entrance fee. If you're in that area, you can go to that convention. You can play in that tournament and potentially be able to make yourself a competitor in Super Show the Game. That same weekend, April 10th, Rust Belt is holding another Create an Alternate Art Card event. 
That's going on in North Olmsted, Ohio, Recess Games. That same weekend in Columbus, Ohio, Buckeye Game Fest, Saturday and Sunday, the 9th and 10th. BCW's Colin Simon will be running game demos at the convention. Highlander Games in Boonton, New Jersey has announced two events the weekend of WrestleMania, April 2nd and April 3rd. April 2nd at 3 p.m. they will be running a Crate and Alternate Art Card event. No ban list, diversity in effect, $25 entrance fee. April 3rd, same time, same entrance fee amount. They'll be running a Crate of Foil event. If you want to sign up for both, there's a double header bundle. You can just pay $40 and you'll get entry into both events. I think there may also be some sort of post-tournament event, watch party perhaps, check with Highlander Games. But that's going on next weekend, April 22nd through April 24th, the Huntsville Comic and Pop Culture Expo in Huntsville, Alabama. That will be taking place. SRG Universe will be on hand. And then finally, April 30th, Rumble to Refuge up in Brunswick, Ohio. Another great competitor tournament, $30 entrance fee. Sign-ups for many of these tournaments, supershowthegame.com. Check there, sign up there. Now let's talk about the tournaments from this past week. We're going to start Monday night, the Monday night boss fights. The Dread Pirate tech support still dealing with the newest pirate to join the crew. As a result, he's not running the Monday night events. The boss is running these events. Let me give the information that I have about the Monday night events. I do not know how many players were actually in the event. I do know they end up cutting to a top eight. In the round of eight, the round starts at crowd meter one with a new stipulation, the kendo stick on a pole match. From what I understand, there's going to be a future sticks, steps, and chairs box set that will feature various stipulations, one for kendo stick, one for ring steps, one for steel chairs. This will be part of that. This stipulation debuted in this event. That was the quarterfinals. In the semifinals, the stipulation was the ladder match. Those matches started at crowd meter two. And then the finals was a Raven's Blood Cemetery match. Both that match and the third place match were played under that stipulation. In fourth place in the Monday Night Boss Fight, Practicite playing as the Grump. In third place, the Brain playing as Velvet Assassin. I don't know if that is the original or the new Velvet Assassin. In second place, playing as Pretty Boy Snow, General Lee Wong. And the winner, playing as the Wreck, Chris Pate. So we had a little bit of a preview of the Hardcore Championship with the champion and the challenger squaring off in this Monday Night Boss Fight Finals with the challenger winning. Is that a prediction? of what their championship match will be, who knows. But Chris Pate wins the Monday night event. Congratulations to Mr. Chris Pate. 
Thursday night. We have Chibi's Thursday night fights. There were four groups in the group stage. Top two from each group advanced, rounding out the top eight. In the quarterfinal round, all of the matches were played using the Ring of Fire stipulation. In the semifinals, all of the matches were played using the Beast Unchained stipulation. And then the finals match and the third place match, the submission match stipulation was used. In fourth place, playing as JPL, the Grump Danny Thunder. In third place, playing as Shane Hurricane Helms, Chris Pate. The finalists were the Hidden Threat, Matt Haas, playing as the Hypnotist, Hans Mesmer, and the Italian Mambata, playing as Mighty Marcel. The winner of the Thursday Night Fights the Italian Mambata. Congratulations to him. The Italian Mambata has had a history of going into submission matches in finals and losing. He finally gets the monkey off his back, wins a tournament in a submission match. Congratulations to him for getting over that hurdle. I know he's been trying to win those for a long time. It's great to see him finally get over that hurdle. Congratulations to the Italian Mambata. Friday. There is a pop-up event hosted by the SRG BOSS. I don't have a complete report. I will give you what I can. From what I understand, there were two pods. Four players per pod could be wrong on that number, but the top three from each pod advanced. Chugonomics went undefeated in the group stages, so he was able to set the match order in the first round of the top cut, the semifinal round. He ends up pairing Hold the Line Harry versus Andrew Mackie, Big Match Pete versus Chugonomics, and the Cheetah versus Kid Thunder. The finals end up being a triple threat match. Hold the Line Harry, playing as the second version of Anarchy Sun, versus Big Match Pete, playing as the original Colt Cabana, versus the Cheetah playing as Captain C.J. Spar. The stipulation in the finals match, this finals triad match, is the sticks, stairs, and chairs stipulation. However, the stipulation does not come into play because at crowd meter zero, the Cheetah hits a finish on Big Match Pete, rolls a 10, and Big Match Pete is unable to kick out the Cheetah wins the Bosses Friday Night Pop-Up Event. Congratulations to the Cheetah. Saturday, the Cheetah hosts a pop-up event himself. This is another Agility Open. You have to either play a competitor who has an Agility Skill of 10, or you can play a competitor with an Agility Skill of 8 or 9. However, they have to run at least one skill card in their deck based off their agility skill. One skill card in the deck that requires you to have an agility of eight or greater. That must be done if they're not using a competitor with an agility skill of ten. There were four players. The Cheetah, Hunter Parkerson, Johnny Correa, and Andrew Mecky. Everyone played each other. 
in a round-robin format, and then the top two squared off in a finals match. The top two were Johnny Korea playing as Haley Stevens and Hunter Parkerson playing as the Phoenix EV Fresh. The winner of this Agility Open was Hunter Parkerson with the Phoenix EV Fresh. Congratulations to him. Now, last I looked, the Cheetah was trying to organize a tournament for Sunday night. If he does, I will give that to you on next week's show. As far as events for next week are concerned, there's currently nothing listed on supershowthegame.com. However, look for something Monday night. Look for something Thursday night. There's going to be Dojo Tuesday night, potentially hosted by Dizzy, depending on the results of her match tonight. Also, the current World Heavyweight Championship Contender Tournament hosted by General Manager John Clace is ongoing. Players in that tournament have until April 3rd to complete their group stage and send those results in. Because that due date is next Sunday, I don't believe I'll be able to give you the results of that opening round next Sunday. It would have to be probably the 10th. With that being said, that's going to do it for this week's episode of the Outlaw Mudcast. Please follow at Outlaw Mudcast on Twitter. It would help me out. Otherwise, I'd like to thank all of you for listening, and a good day.